Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast of serving our feline masters if they ever get around to stop licking themselves. <laughs> Speaking of which, John, we were, ta- we were mentioning before we started, uh, Earth Cultures have... Uh, a lot of different ways of representing animal sounds. That's one particular sound for a cat. In Japan, they like to go, meow. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also meow, and there's a few more. I think now, 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 meow. There's now, now, which is, I think, is Chinese. Right. And when I, when I talk about this, I'm not just talking about the sound. It's like the way they represent it when they write it. So a lot of times I think, I, I'm wondering, I don't know if this is true or not, I do wonder if uh, the way you write it reflects in some way your perception of cats or the kind of sounds you want cats to have. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that the sound that the Japanese have for a cat is completely different than the sound that, that Americans have. I mean, you know, Is it a thing about the M or N that they prefer the N sound versus M? I don't know. Anyways, uh, so we're talking hardwired hinterland. Yep. Uh, this is this is a game that Richard brought out uh, about two years now, right? It's been two years, or mm, about that, yeah. Oh, four years, four, four, two thousand ten. That long? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. Uh, it was like 30 years in the making, and then four years ago it actually came out. Uh, there haven't been any updates to it other than what we've done on the podcast. So pretty much we're ex- we're expecting everything that we see in the book to be canon. So uh, so for those of you who are not familiar with Hardwired Hinterland, uh, Peter, can you give a summary? All right, so Hardwired Hinterland is um, it's, it's basically like a construct. I mean, as far as we can tell, no one really knows for sure, other than Richard, I guess. Uh, but they're basically these, these uh, large geological tiles, as, as it were. And each tile is an island surrounded by water. And each of these islands is a, uh, of a sort of a genre to itself. So, you know, like there's the one uh, Little Texas, and there's one in like New York, um, uh, there's a dino one anyway. So it's kind of like fringe worthy on a grid. Um, but you can't, you can't go through the waters because there's these creatures that will sink your boats, except for one group of people who can do that, uh, who have seemed to have figured out how to get around that or made struck a deal with these creatures. Um, uh, the Kraken, I believe, or is it the Kraken? The Leviathan? What is it? Yeah. Car- the carnal whales, 
uh, and we'll get into why such a thing is possible in a little while. Okay, and then so basically, most everybody flies everywhere. So I think the the, the biggest the big premise of the game is supposed to be sort of like a uh, a what what would you call it a plane punk kind of era where like a, like a Tales of the Gold Monkey type right. of thing where you're you're expected to kind of fly around and and go through adventures and a little bit of Disney's tailspin, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a forties pulp uh, fl- uh, uh, wings over uh, uh, America Africa whatever whatever piece of geology you want to put uh, kind of game right and and well what's leading to our discussion tonight is that it has a sort of a lighthearted feel it's supposed to be big adventure uh, not super serious uh, for one people regenerate so if something doesn't kill you right away you will probably get come back from it even if your your arms and legs get chopped off um, they grow back right if you should survive it they grow back uh, there are there's all kinds of stuff you can run into. People from any kind of genre. Uh, the people that that come to Hardwire Hinterland are actually people from the real world and from different times. Um, they basically, uh, what is it, John? What's the term? They took a left turn. Yeah, and, and not not necessarily from our world too. I mean, there's magic costs, which mean you know if it's. Uh, the, I think the the thing is they come from alternate worlds because there's a there's occasional alien, there's occasional people who basically come from a different timeline. I mean, it's, it is like fringe where it's pulling in from people from all over the place, but it's so freaking big, uh, it, it'll take you a while to, to meet them all. Well, speaking of Fringeworthy, it is on the fringe paths, by the way. There is a portal, an alt portal out of Portals 2 that leads to the hardwired hinterlands. I was going to say, but the big segue to our show tonight is um, y- there are anthropomorphic uh, creatures that you can play as well, uh, and it, it, Bruce, does it go? It goes beyond cats, right? Oh yeah, any animal um, can uh, can be intelligent, and so when we refer to animals, we refer to animals with a lowercase or animals with an uppercase, the same way as they were referred to in the Oz books. Uh, where you could have so if you talk about a bear, you know, with a with an emphasis as as in they have a capital B, then that's an intelligent bear versus a bear which is just somebody rooting around looking for food. Right. Right. So it's uh, and it makes a huge difference in the game because of. Uh, you're constantly, you're, I mean, when I say you're constantly running into it, it's like, it's just any, the only, uh, looking in the game, the only two things that do not seem to be uh, able to have sentience are insects and uh, fish, with the exception of the uh, carna squid. Wait a minute, Bruce, when you say insects, do you mean bugs? Yeah, any bug. Any bug, okay. Because if you're saying just insects, that means that spiders could be intelligent. No, there's, there's, I'm saying they're not on the list. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Because I, I don't want to play. Uh, birds are on the list. But, you know, I, and I think reptiles are on the list as well. But they're really low down. They have a really low chance of becoming intelligent. I see. So the more primitive the organism? No, I don't think that that's true at all. I just think that... Uh, uh, it, it's just that's just the way it is. <laughs> it's, ah. it's one of those things that uh, Richard put in the book, and uh, I'm not sure there actually is a uh, a rhyme to it. Okay, uh, but, 
It wouldn't be Richard otherwise, right? <laughs> Larger critters have a lower rate of also. So elephants have a lower rate of becoming uh, becoming sentient versus. Uh, no, you're wrong. No, no, yeah, no. I, I think you, no. I think that's. Oh, now I got to bring. The... No, I, I just I just looked at it. Oh. Ele- elephants are, are quite high, but for example, dinosaurs are quite low. So uh, yeah, I mean re- reptiles seem to be low in general. Okay. Uh, except unless they're dragons, okay. In which case they're ninety-five percent. So uh, we have a sh- we have a, a short list, you know, of of animals, uh, and they said these are rough chances. And uh, but the the important thing here is topping the list, okay, are cats at ninety-eight percent, which means that almost every cat that you ever run into in the hardware hinterland is going to be intelligent, and we're talking near or better than human intelligence. Because humans have a range too, so there's you know cats will also. Uh, this is uh, uh, the next one down is dragons, which there are not that many of those. Um, and then we jump down to dogs, which are 75. percent That means three out of every four dogs that you run into is intelligent. Uh, great apes are at 95 percent, as are corn whales. And again, those are uh, relatively rare as compared to some of these other animals. Now, I am saying that with a certain assumptions, being that you know that the spread of of animals uh, are like are, are are similar to our own Earth, where you know you, you, there's a lot of dogs, there's a lot of cats, there's you know there's but there's not a whole lot of great apes. You only find great apes and very you know in rare places. Now I could be wrong. Maybe gray apes are a lot bigger population than I think. It's up to you how you want to do it. But, uh, but, but, you know, and elephants of course are 90%. Um, so that's really high. Uh, bears on the other hand are only 20%. So the chances of finding an intelligent bear are, are actually relatively low, but certainly immensely higher than you would find in our world. Yeah, I mean, I'm, when I ran, when I ran my hardware, Henry, uh, the uh, Etiwango was the home from a lot of the great apes. You know that that's where they lived. Well, with all that kind of jungle stuff, that might make some sense. Sure. Okay, but uh, but Trav. Okay, so what when we say these are intelligent animals? Okay, do they all look the same? I mean, are 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 all cats the same? Well, I mean, as far as you might have the anthropomorphic cats that are cats with a primate physiology. Head, torso, two arms, two legs, maybe three to five fingers per hand, opposable thumbs. Or you just have your normal feline physiology cat that just happens to have a more advanced brain. It depends. Um, you could You could have a cat that may... You you may have a cat that you that may walk on all fours, but those front paws are still grasping. Uh, oh God, what's the term? My friend Carrie Pre- polydactyl. Polydactyl. They they actually have a thumb on the paw. So it depends on the type of cat, and it just depends on the chance. You know how it adapted as far as getting to the hinterland. And these are decisions that are made entirely by your GM. Oh yeah. There, there's nothing. There's there's no. We have no uh, uh, a scale that says you know a certain percentage are going to have going to walk around and look 
pretty humanoid versus you know or a, a really huge amount of them all but like like one percent of them are walking around on all fours and are mostly just really really smart cats or dogs or or weasels or whatever they may be we don't know this entirely up to your gm how you want to do it but the fact is is that a, a lot of these animals like cats and dogs that are considered common animals in most uh, human cultures are going to be intelligent. Oh, by the way, Bruce, I did find that on the fringe paths. Um, the hardwired hinterland can be accessed via a warp at positive 122,8. And it's listed as hinterland hardfall, but it's because the warp is 20 feet above water. So you can get to this by the fringe paths as well. Yeah. I, I hope it's water that's not over the ocean. Well, it says over warp is 20 feet over sh above shallow, shallow water and a beach. This strange place called the hardwired hinterland. Okay, then it's right off of one of the environs. Yeah. Well, you're going to need a, a, a lightning crystal or lightning crystal. Yeah, lightning crystal to get out of there. <laughs> well, 20 feet. Uh, well, or a, a really tall ladder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Or a, run, a running jump with a, with a parasail. Right. Yeah, there, there's a, a lot of different ways you might be able to manage it if you knew it was there. Uh, but I, I, I think it's uh, one of those things where they want you to, if you go through, they want you to have trouble getting back out. You're going to have to, they'll want you to stay a while and, and uh, ex explore the, the hinterlands. So, uh, okay. So the reason that this topic came up was because looking, I was looking at this and I was saying, okay, if there's that, there's a lot of cats in our world. And uh, especially now that we no longer consider them to be evil, uh, at least innately evil, uh, uh, and the same for dogs. So, so therefore, in some ways, we're talking about a sentient race that outnumbers us. So why aren't they running the show? And of course, it, or maybe they are. And we are just, you know, we just don't, you know, realize it because we are assume that they're, you know, a bunch of flea, uh, uh, flea bitten, uh, you know, mousers and and uh, you know whatever. So that's why I brought up the topic. I wanted to. I said if they are in fact, you know, since we know that there's a lot of them that are intelligent, uh, why aren't they in charge? Well, I think I think my first response was because they're cats. I mean, you know, the old saying, herding cats, also kind of applies with forming a cat army. I think it would end up fighting itself much quicker than it would fight anything, fight other people. Uh, uh, especially when it comes down, cats are mostly solitary. So getting together, getting enough cats together, they have to have a reason to get together. I mean, on Earth, our, on Earth, the big reason for cats knowing to get together is usually in colonies. I mean, there's the infamous feral colonies for house cats. Uh, that can get up to where it's a couple hundred cats, but they're they're together more for protection than for control. Two things. One is is that when we say cats, we don't always. It doesn't mean it's just house cats. It actually covers the entire feline, uh, not species, but I guess family. Or, or genus, I'm not sure what it is. But the point is that there's a lot of different cats. So we have to be very careful when we make sweeping statements about cats. Okay, but but we can't, uh, uh, but again, because most cats that are the bigger cats are, are pretty much climax predators. 
there's not going to be very many of them. And so, again, we're talking primarily about some of the more numerous species, which, of course, would cover the common house cat. So, but, uh, but as far as, as that, that thing about being um, uh, solitary, okay, that is actually in human society. Uh, in, uh, in the wild, uh, cats tend to form organized hierarchies. But, of course, in the hinterlands, so it depends on whether you're going to be talking, if you're talking about them running the place, they have to do it in human society, or at least they have to do it in societies, and therefore, you know, we're, uh, we're, we are talking about human societies, because that's what we see when we read the descriptions, we don't see cat societies, we see human societies. So, um, so therefore, if, if they do have a society inside a human society, it's a secret society, right? Yeah. You know the Jellico, the the Jellico cats, <laughs> right? Okay. Well, so if we're gonna, uh, but your whole thing about you know hurting cats and such, I think that has a lot to do with uh, some prejudice. So we really should talk about cat uh, cat psychology. So do you, do you know anything about cat psychology? I've been reading up on it uh, actually because our cats, domesticated cats, Felis catus. Which is their name? Actually, I like the the the, the actual. They actually they also be called Felis Sylvestris Catus. Yeah. Yes, he was named after he was named after the the, the genera name, uh, after the family name. Uh, are descended from from wildcats, and the wildcats themselves are solitary hunters. They only get together when for mutual protection. So, yeah, the, that behavior is inherited. It's nothing that was bred into by humans. That's what they did, and that's what they still do in the wild. Because these cats don't form prides like lions do. Tigers are solitary hunters, so they don't form prides either. In fact, only a few cat societies actually for, would form groups or prides, and they're they're the uh, they're the outliers. To uh, to to most most of the feline uh, family tree. Yes, but but in the case of the common house cat, it actually does mirror the uh, behavior of prides of lions. So, it you know that society still still holds sway. Uh, but we, we have to be very careful when we do this thing with cats because it would be very easy for us to say, well, you know, they're, they're whatever we want them to be you know, because they're intelligent and therefore they're not going to be held back by their uh, racial psychology. But that's kind of uh, cheating because the whole point of having an intelligent cat is to have a cat that behaves like a cat, but it's intelligent. So we don't want to lose track of that. That's why I'm asking the question. Yeah. Also, if, you, if you're going to say, you know, say, you know, you know, uh, the species species lines you come from, it means nothing. Uh, Jane Goodall will tell you different. She says when she's watching watching the chimpanzees in Gombe, uh, she said, "I can see humans down there doing the exact same thing." So yeah, we you know it, it, yes yeah we behave the way we our, our relatives do. Of course, we, that means we came from the chimpanzee line, not from the bonobo line. We'd have a different culture if we came from the bonobo line. <laughs> yeah. But no, but yeah, but yeah, the thing is, they're still cats, and they were cats before they became intelligent. That also plays into it. You know, they were, they were, they were animal cats, and then they became intelligent. That, 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 that means they haven't unlearned a lot of their, you know, especially if they were like four or five years old. They're going. They have a lot of things that they're they're used to doing. So they're still going to be pretty much the same cat you knew. But he now can talk to you when he feels like it, uh, and probably complain about things like, "When are you going to feed me?" 
<laughs> you know, I'm hungry. Feed me. Well, hold on, John. Didn't didn't we say? Didn't we say though that they could come from different worlds? So what if they come from a world where the cat people are indigenous? So that wouldn't exist. That wouldn't wouldn't be the same for no, them. If, you, if they're cat cat people are a different thing. If you're talking, you know, pre you know, sending cat sending cat people like the Kinsinti or the uh, Kimnar, that's totally different than cats becoming sentient. Because you said that that you got to imagine that the cats in in Hardwire Hinterland. Were were actually cats at one, you know, regular cats, small sea cats at one time, but not not if they came from another world. Right, but again, we're, when we're talking about intelligent animals, we kind of have to follow the uh, uh, the convention that they still okay. have the behaviors, uh, it, uh, okay. at least on a basic level, that would be considered normative for their species. Otherwise, they're no, gotcha. they're they're just basic, they're just basically people wearing costumes. Rather than being who they are, okay. Okay. So uh, I and I, I agree, Peter. I mean, if you had a cat that came from another world, now one of the things that actually you know kind of holds to what we're saying here is because cats are intelligent. When they breed, they don't produce. Well, it, it would be hard to tell because only two percent of them are going to be unintelligent. But most uh, animals that are intelligent, if they breed, they produce the same percentage of unintelligent of their kind. And those and those versions of themselves act perfectly normal for the unintelligent versions of animals that we know of. So we we have no reason to think the cats, you know, uh, that their behavior is is based on the fact that they're aliens, but rather that it's just something about the hinterlands that cats are intelligent. Now, important important thing, it's something that was brought up in the book is that uh, at least for humans. It's it, it's like one ch- one per, one child per every thousand people. It's one one five hundredth of the normal rate of reproduction. Yes, so cats are in heat at least twice to three times a year. They can produce up to three sets of litters, which means they outbreed humans easily if they do reproduce that often and there's no reason to think that they don't because you know if you go, if you expect to have a reasonable ecology on a uh, on any world you have to assume that the animals are reproducing and are getting at, eaten and eating other animals and so forth you know it's it's the humans who are the uh, again the top of the food chain in most situations are the ones that if you change their breeding cycle it usually doesn't matter because you know they they they're they're just feeding off of everything else. The big question I have, because that's stated for sentient beings. Is that true for the, uns- for the, for the normal animals? Do they actually have the same no, breeding no, rate, or do they breed, no. breed normally? It doesn't say that, John. It doesn't say it's one, it's one five hundredth for animals. It says it's one five hundredth for people. One five hundredth for you. But smart cats are people, too. No, they're not. They're not humans, okay? That's what they're talking about, John. Okay, they may be people, but they're not humans. All right, and that's the point that we're doing here. Okay, uh, so, but I'm I'm just saying is if you if you have an ecology, what we know, okay, and we know this historically, is is that if cats only had one out of uh, one five hundredth of the normal rate of reproduction, and but mice reproduce normally, then of course we would be up to our eyeballs in mice. So an ecology requires that animals have the normal reproductive uh, rates that we would expect them to have, or that we know they have in our world, because we don't have anything else to go by. But there has to be a kind of an ebb and flow, and a, um, 
you know, a, 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 a synergy between these animal species as they feed off of each other and and such. So, I would I would assume that they all reproduce at the rate that we expect we see on our own Earth. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, so that means yeah, there are more cats. Right. There's a lot more cats than there are humans. But not as but not as many as there should be. And I'll see, the reason I say that if they're sentient, they also have reasons not to be pregnant three times a year. So it won't be the birth rate we have on Earth, but it's going to be more than human with the human birth rate on the Hardwood hinterland. You know, they're, they're smart. You're not going to have kids every year and they have to worry what to, what to do with their kids. You know, with the kids. Uh, you know, and like three, uh, you know, I got, I got twenty four kids. What am I gonna do all of them? No, they're smart. If they're smart, they're gonna, they're gonna restrict their own breeding, because even though they may have been neutered before they came over to the hardwood hinterland, well, I gotta put this. That could be fixed. It grows back. It's the opposite of being fixed, John. Yeah, opposite <laughs> of being fixed. <laughs> I was being, I was being sarcastic. I was no, not sarcastic. Ironic. I was being ironic. Yeah. No one's really talked a whole lot about uh, uh, about about psychology for the cats. So let me talk about their physiology instead. Maybe that'll help a little better. Okay. All right. So um, cats, uh, first of all, uh, they have brains that are actually fairly similar to humans. Uh, they uh, they're, they're, they have a frontal cortex and everything else. They have a lot of folding of the of the cortex material. They have uh, uh, multiple areas in their brain which are very interconnected, which allow them to construct a complex perception of the real world. And so they can also process multiple stimuli concurrently. This means that a cat is very much aware of what's going on around it at all times, even if it seems like it's concentrating on one thing. So a cat can look like it's totally distracted, playing with a ball of yarn, but believe me, it knows what's going on around it. Okay, uh, they're very hard to surprise, and they probably have multiple choices of actions available at any time. So uh, this means that if you were playing in like the D20 game, you would probably want them to have like um, uh, uh, alertness, uh, right, Trav? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And they would. Uh, they also um, have a different physiology than humans in that they have five extra vertebrae, and they also don't have a collarbone which means that they would probably get bonuses in the area of... Tumble and escape artists, I would think. And I'm, and I, I'm blanking on the D20 modern feat that gives a plus two to escape artists. I'm yeah. blanking on it right Though now. I would say that that's true for the non-anthropomorphized or human form cats. When they start doing human form, they get collarbones. You're, you're probably right. If they, you know, be, yeah. And, and you know, and, and and keep in mind the fact that the more upright they are, the more their physiology is going to have to change. Okay. Right. right. But uh, but I I'm saying the reason I'm saying this is is because some of this informs some of their behaviors. Okay? They're much more willing to go into dark uh and 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 small places because their bodies are designed to help them extract themselves more. Now, one of the things that they have is that they have some deficiencies. They don't have the ability to make a lot of fats. It has to be their diet. So that means that uh, a, a, an animal version of a cat is probably still going to be carnivorous. Okay, yeah. Because it's just easier to find fat off of another animal than it is to try to become a vegetarian. Doesn't mean you can't have a vegetarian cat. It just means it's unlikely. Okay. They also have a very specific 
um, amino acid that they need called uh, taurine, which is only found, well, it's commonly found, I should say, in meat and fish. Also a reason why they would be carnivorous, because it's, it's hard for them to find. They can't. They, uh, dog food that's made commercially does not include it, so if you feed your cat dog food, you're actually starving your cat. Yep. But there's plenty in rabbits and mice. Right. Sure, there is. Okay. But anyways, um, what, uh, cats cannot taste sweets. They don't have that ability. So you're not going to see a cat walking around licking a lollipop. They don't get, you know, they don't get it. So um, now, as far as their minds are concerned, like I mentioned, the fact that they have, um, a, a, they, well, they have about 300 million uh, neurons. Dogs have about 160 million. But of course, we're talking about animal, you know, with a cat, cats with a capital, uh, uh, capital C. So therefore, that's probably not that much of a thing. But uh, uh, but however, they do have more nerve cells in the visual areas of their brain than humans and most other mammals. Okay, therefore, they're going to be very oriented toward visual stimuli. Well, I was just pointing out that also because of their the way their eyes are made are set up, uh, they can see in one sixth the light level humans can. So basically, they have they have uh, I would say low uh, low light uh, benefit. Right. Oh yeah. Right. So that also, you know, so that means that they're not going to be as limited. And I, and I mean limited uh, as human beings are, because as we know, in the hinterlands, uh, there, there's 15 hours of light and nine hours of darkness at exactly the same time every single day. So cats are free to, uh, with, especially around the periphery of human uh, uh, dwellings, it's as if it's broad daylight for them. Also, the uh, they are uh, they only have two sets of co- two types of cones, uh, one for blue and one for yellowish green. So they can't see red. You know, they're they're co- basically it's a form of color blindness. But uh, they can see blue and yellowish green, so it works. Um, actually, what I read, John, is is that that's you know that, that there's studies showing that that varies by species. That a lot, a lot, of, a lot of them can see the whole gamut. Of- oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about actually, you know, unfortunately, we say cats. People keep thinking of you know the kind you sits in your lap and your pet. They're they're they have limited color vision. But you're right. Yeah, yeah. If you're talking like other 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 cat species, yeah, they got different uh, visual range. So yeah. All right. So, but along the fact that you know, they say the the cats, the the, the their minds, they have excellent memories. Uh, Okay. Uh, however, uh, their relationships with humans and in, uh, and age affects their memory. Uh, they they can suffer from a thing called feline cognitive dysfunction, that's like Alzheimer's disease. Now you probably won't see that in the hinterlands because of the regenerative effect, but it actually causes them. Uh, disorientation, reduced social interaction, sleep disturbances, and a loss of house training. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyways, uh, so the point is, is that they, uh, especially when they, uh, you know, they can suffer from from uh, degenerative diseases of the brain as long as the hinterland isn't restoring them. But the fact is, they do have excellent memories. Uh, cats are able to remember things up to ten years. 
uh, and uh, the, at that point, they seem to have a they seem to lose track of stuff. Uh, a lot of animals don't have the ability to remember an object once it's out of their direct sight. And cats have a little bit of a problem with that, but they do seem to do pretty well in certain areas. Uh, they uh, and it says here they uh, they adapt to uh, uh, and it's be because they they can do this, they can adapt to a lot of different environments uh, versus other animals that can that are basically stuck in the, uh, uh, the literally in the areas in which they start. So cats can roam. They're they're by they're designed to be able to go great distances and adapt to wherever they go. Sexually, okay, cats prefer one night stands. Wow. Therefore, they uh, they might be viewed as morally inferior by traditional human thinkers. Female cats are super fecund which means that each cat, each kitten in her litter can have a different father. Mm -hmm. And of course they can have huh. five or six in a litter. And something they found out with when they, when they, you know, you, you heard the that, that clones dogs and, and they also clone cats. Trouble is cat fur coloration is there's multiple genes that control it. So you'll never get the same cat fur pattern twice even with the exact same genes. So I can imagine that'd be a problem for a cat. He gets, a, he gets like, he gets burned and his fur grows back. It grows back different. <laughs> okay. All right. So, all right. So this is, this is their physiology. It is going to affect their behavior. It's also going to affect things they do. I really, I, I, I think we really should think about the fact that these cats can operate in the, in the practically in the dark, which means if they do have a, a secret society, that's when you, they, they would be meeting. That's when they would be doing stuff because the human beings are all going to be huddled, you know, uh, in, in their, uh, homes with their electric lights coming from the PowerPoint. Uh, because there's not, you know, unless they've got, you know, some uh, oil pods to, to, to run a fire or a, a lantern. But generally speaking, humans are going to be huddling into their cities and dwellings at night, giving cats a lot of freedom to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, I mean, also we should talk about basic cats overall have enhanced senses except for taste. They, ha they can hear in 10.5 octaves. Humans can only hear in about, uh, I forgot, was it uh, six octaves? So they can hear, a, they, they have a higher range, much higher and higher frequencies. They also have a sense of smell that, that is up to, it's better than a dog's. They actually they have a better sense of smell than dogs do. Okay. Uh, it's, I say it's not important, but cats actually can hear the sound, the ultrasonic sound that bats make when they're using their echolocation. Yep. And they also have their whiskers, which allows them to operate in complete darkness and still be able to work, the, make, you know, and the, the whiskers are not only just on their face, they have whiskers on their body. There's more than one set of whiskers on their bodies. People don't know this. You keep looking at the face, but they actually have hairs all over the body that actually allow them to, they can tell where they are. Even in complete darkness. Well, usually the, the, the point about the whiskers on their face is that they're wider than their body, just wider than their body. So any place that they can put their whiskers through and not touch their whiskers, their body is going to be able to go through and not get stuck. So, you know, anyways, so that, again, that's going to make cats pretty brave. 
and uh, able. But like I said, as long as they're as long as they're close to human habitation, there's probably going to be enough light out there, especially in the cities, that they're going to they could operate if they wanted to in, in a complete society, and humans would never even know they were doing it. Sleep cycle: cats tend to sleep ten to fourteen hours. So they actually sleep more than humans do. Uh, in fact, older cats will sleep up to twenty hours a day. So it, it, that's the other. That's the flip side. You know, so they either can choose to operate during the day with humans, or they can choose more or less to operate during the night without humans. Right. I mean, there could be cats who ne- you never see because they only operate at night. It's their. It's their choice. Okay, especially considering that they're, they're, they're intelligent. So we have to consider the possibility that there are, in fact, you know, a, va- a vast cat um, culture out there. That it, it, I won't use the word leadership or rulership because we're going to get – because there's some things that I want to talk about uh, as far as that's concerned. Okay, um, but I'm saying it's quite possible that there could be an entire uh, – let's say conclaves, as you put it um, – uh, you know, groups, uh, areas where cats are roaming together, uh, and they might actually have a culture that's separate from humans because they can, and they don't need humans, uh, though they do seem like us. Uh, and they, the cats uh, have only been domesticated half the amount of time uh, that dogs have, but they seem to be they seem to have moved into houses with humans pretty easily, so they're. They, they, they seem to, to like us a lot. I was reading about domestication. One of the theories is that they weren't actually actively domesticated. They just more or less were tolerated, and they sort of self-domesticated themselves. I mean, basically, the, the reasons they give for, for cats being domesticated don't work. You know, they, we, we, we domesticate them to, to, to kill the rats. Well, no, because uh, if that was the case, they'd be a lot more sociable with humans. <laughs> they're not. The cats are independent. Well, they're they're very sociable to humans. Is it? It's, but they they just don't they just uh, don't uh, follow our leadership that well. That's there's two different things there. Yeah. Also, I also would say that cats that live with that live with humans that came to, they came together. Said they're both in the same RV. Uh, probably are still living together. But now the cat's more along the line of uh, probably a deadpan dead snarker of the, of the group. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, deadpan snarker. He's the person that makes his little si- si- size like Agent Coulson will do. <laughs> you know, little, th- little, little, little snarky comments, you know, but not, you know, not smile at all. Just make, you know, a little, oh, well, that's brilliant. <laughs> all right. Uh, again, cat psychology, cats do better in pairs. In, uh, it, it, therefore, uh, cats in fours do better than cats in threes and definitely better than cats in ones. Also, uh, there is a critical period of time in which a kitten, if it doesn't have interactions with humans, will not bond easily with humans thereafter. Again, this is one reason why I'm saying it's important as far as there being a separate cat society out there, because if there is, then they're not going to bond with humans. And they may actually find themselves in competition with humans. Okay, but as far as their psychology is concerned, as far uh, in the uh, uh, again trying to create a society and trying to get in charge of us or rule us, cats are pragmatists. Cats are only motivated 
by concrete rewards provided on a regular basis. Otherwise, they quickly lose interest. All right? So, Peter, think about what kind of jobs somebody like that would find themselves doing. So a cat a job a cat job, cat person job. Cat or a cat person or somebody or or a humiform cat. What kind of jobs would be appropriate for somebody who is only motivated by concrete rewards provided on a regular basis? Uh wow. Um that's a good uh, well <laughs> I hate to go blue, but you know, prostitution probably would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, peace, peace work, you know, you do something peace work, like in a factory. Yeah. You do, you move a certain number of pieces, you, like, like in little Texas, maybe working at the oil well, you know, you pump a certain number of gallons per day and you get a, uh, you know, a direct reward for that. So they would, they would be day worker. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. They would want to get paid every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how about wait staff? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but can you imagine the hairnet? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, they, they get pomade and they slick themselves down so the thing comes off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, wait, Steph. I don't know if I want a cat bringing my food to me. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Point is, is that like say a, a waiter or a waitress, okay, after every meal, they get a tip, right? Yeah, sure. There's sure. A, there's, that's an immediate... So, uh, concrete reward that uh, that would make them happy to keep doing that kind of a job, right? So, so, sir, you want you want mice with that? <laughs> How about some honey? <laughs> right. Actually, 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 that's the thing I learned that most cats actually can't digest milk once they once they hit adult. Actually, it's only a small percentage of cats can actually drink milk. Uh, it, it actually varies by species again. Yeah, again, but yeah. When I say cats, I, I keep I keep referring. I'm referring to domesticus, you know, catus, felinus, you know, felis catus, domestic cat. Uh, yeah, it really changed. Yeah, you're right, but it does go with species. Right. Okay. Yeah, Trav, you can hop in here. Uh, think of any jobs that are, uh, that that a being that wants immediate uh, uh, financial rewards would would go for. I'm blanking. I mean, you pretty much said them all. Waitress with the tip. Oh no, I, I've got a, I've got a list. I got a huge list here. <laughs> hey, Bruce, what, what about taxi cab driver? Well, again, yeah, that's a, that's a, a service job where you do a task and you get paid, and it's a relatively short term. You know, a truck driver. You know, well, like say a pilot. They would probably wouldn't be a very good pilot because it might take you know a day or more to you know to fly from one place to another. I mean, maybe they'd be okay. They they get on the plane, they fly over, they land, they get paid for the job. It might work. They get real. Well, I mean, they get real good with seeing the landing lights. You know, they would go right to it. You know. <laughs> okay. Oh God, I'm feeling airsick. <laughs> but somebody who gets like a a, a salary. That's not a kind of a job for a cat, right? Okay. How about um, performers? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Cat buskers also. Well, to take it from a certain uh, former adult cat dancers. Well, I was actually thinking about any kind of performer, circus performing, you know, artistic performing, any kind, because those people, if you think about it, you know, like street performers, they do their thing, out comes the hat. 
Okay, they want to get they want to get rewarded right away. If they don't get rewarded, they move on to someplace else. Okay, uh, night watch cat, night watch cat. You don't. You, how's that? Gonna, no, how, how are they going to get rewarded quickly there unless they get paid at the end of every? Yeah, they get paid at the end of your shift. But you know, the, the, the guy realizes the cats are good because they you know they can see a whole lot better. They don't need the lights. Of course, then again, then again, they're probably also there's the other job. Cat burglar. <laughs> Immediate reward. <laughs> how about Peter? How about pickpocket? Oh, absolutely. And they'd be great pickpockets, too, because they don't have to worry about that thumb getting caught in the uh, in the pants. Right. And uh, and, and uh, similarly, when we're talking, if we're talking about the uh, uh, the the illegal type professions, short con. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like three card money. Yeah. Okay. Three card money, sure they could be doing that, right? Okay. Oh, so getting back to the service industry, because uh, cats cats are are you know n- normal cats are all about grooming, taking care of themselves, you know, keeping themselves clean. Cat hairdressers. Oh, they also groom each other sometimes too. I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but yeah, a cat hairdresser who who works both sides, you know, works both humans, apes, whatever comes in, will do your hair. <laughs> But, but again, it's, it's a task that has a clear ending period at which point you'd expect to get paid, right? Oh, cat boxing. Like, like boxers? Sure, street fighters. Sure, yeah. Now, if you have to go through a lot of training, you know, a long time of training to get up to a point, that might be a problem. But I think most boxers are actually, they kind of, they, 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 they do a lot of fighting. They don't just like, you know, fight once every few weeks they actually are fighting practically every day even even multiple times right well heck on the hardware hinterlands you heal so quickly you could fight every couple days you could have major fights uh, uh based on their physiology cats uh cat skin cat fur is a lot tougher than human skin so they could take a lot more abuse someone hits you in the face they could cut you up it would just slide right off of that cat fur I was thinking they would make a great masseuse, you know, the way they, they do their, their feet thing, you know, the, the, what, what is it called? They, well, they have a name for that. It's called kneading. Kneading. K- yeah. A N E A D I N G kneading. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause you have your shatsu, you have your deep muscle, you have, Oh, Oh, a kneading, a kneading massage. Oh, I, uh-huh. I could, I could take one of those. Yeah. You know, the cat, uh, the, uh, uh, house cats only sweat through their paws. Huh. So they, they could actually provide their own lubrication. Oh, man. Okay. When you take a cat to the vet, that's why the table gets all covered with, you know, gets gets all wet. Because the cat's nervous, and it's it gets up there and just starts oiling up the whole place. So you're saying you could get a, catting, a, 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 <laughs> a catty ending? Okay, in, in my mind, even the fully human form... Cats aren't very tall. We're talking maybe at best four foot tall. Why? They're a small animal. And I don't see them, you know, even a Maine Coon getting much bigger than four foot, even if they fully anthropomorphize. You know, Goofy's awfully tall. Yeah, but Goofy's Goofy. (laughs) Cats are cats. No, he's a dog. He's a dog, yeah. And I've seen dogs that stand that that's in their hind legs and stand nearly seven foot tall, but ca- even the biggest cat, like the Maine Coon, will get can probably only stand about 
three foot on their hind legs. John, I will let you go that direction if you want to. I'm not going to say yay or nay on it. I'm just saying that's that sounds like a GM call to me. Yeah, yeah. I I would I would rather leave them as cat in the cat size area. So they're going to be at best small human small human size. You know, like four foot, maybe four foot two. You know, in that area, not very tall, but yeah, hey, they can get into different places that you know humans can't. So there's a different niche for them. So hobbit sized, yeah, with the same heat, with the same with the same requirements for dinner, and lunch and breakfast. But you know, <laughs> it's an interesting thought. Okay, you know, the, you, you as a play, as a GM, you get you can go that route, or you can just make them all mixed. Uh, I always have a tendency whenever animals are humiform, I have a tendency to make them at least somewhere close to human sized. But that's me. That's just how I do it. Uh, it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Let's see here. Uh, now, what jobs have we not mentioned that are that you know, because there would be inappropriate? Okay? Think about this. Politicians. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where's my bribe? Is that the kind of job where you get a lot of bribes all the time? Okay. Uh, is that the kind of job where the, you know, or is that the kind of job where the payoff, you know, takes a while? How about um, scholar? <laughs> How about priest? Okay. Uh, doctor. Or, you know, I'm saying, is this the kind, if, if cats are pragmatists and want and are motivated by concrete rewards provided on a regular basis, what jobs are they ex- basically excluding themselves from? Though so I, I would say if we had, well, considering that everyone heals, that you're not going to see a doctor. That Doctors are for those rare situations where you don't say really nasty to yourself and they need to put you back together so you heal properly. Um, uh, John, there's always a need for qualified surgeons. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, yes, for little stuff, but I mean, you still need someone to go and, you know, put a bandaid on it. Okay. Yeah. But, just, but no, I'm, yeah. But the point is, is that any p- profession that generally speaking has a long time for a payoff or isn't oriented toward getting a constant, you know, uh, reward like that, you know, like being a scholar. Okay, and uh, I I think would they it would be something you'd see cats in a lot. Now, though I would say one you would see them because they sort of kind of do it already. Teacher, if you if you you know considering they would be having a lot more kits, I would see them actually being much more maternal. I don't I won't say homeschool, but there may actually be uh, cats who who basically are they're, they're, they have enough patience to actually teach the kits. You know the ones that the ones that talk anyway, um, how to be a proper cat. You know what I'm saying, and this is a proper cat that can talk, maybe walk around. We don't know, you know, on, on their hind legs. But still, you know, a teacher would, might be one they actually will do qualify for, even though it may not get them an immediate reward. It's it's the more long time, long term survival reward of the species that may actually work for them. Well, there's a lot of of things that a teacher can teach that are very practical and have immediate things like manners or how to cook or how to uh, sew or how to do a lot of things that, uh, you know, that fall in these other professions. But I'm actually talking about things where 
you know, where people, I'm basically pushing, uh, trying to raise the question of if you're going to be the ruler of another race, what kind of qualities do you have to have in order to, to bring that apart? Uh, bring that, you know, usually long goal planning is something that I think would be and a lot of uh, most of these professions that I've mentioned, they have long goal planning and cats I don't think would be good at that if they are really cats because of their basic nature. Yeah, uh, basically a good example would be for people like Caligula and, and Nero. You know, very bad long-term planning. Very much an immediate gratification of the, of the of what they want. <laughs> you know, it would be like, you know, a cat politician would be more like an old, like one of the worst of the Roman emperors out there. Immediate gratification. Uh, how would he even get elected? He wouldn't. Okay, that's my point. Yeah. Okay, I don't think the cat, I mean, I don't think you'll see cats becoming the rulers, maybe through military force, in a sense. But then they they don't seem like the kind that would like be, be able to run a government over you, right? I mean, they they would have to hold jobs. They'd have to like supervise people below them. They, I mean, there there'd have to be an awful lot. They have to be a, a really carefully designed um, reward system that kept these guys constantly rewarded, so they keep an interest. And again, they they'd have to do this in the. Uh, as you put it, John, the the four uh, the four to six hours they're awake every day, or ten or whatever. It depends on 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 the. I mean, basically, on average, it's between fourteen and uh, I forgot what the number is, but fifteen to fourteen hours. So they got ten hours they'll stay awake. You know, pretty much that's the night time. You know, but that does mean uh, crime boss. Does you know? Would he be able to become a crime? Would a cat be able to come? He or she uh, become a crime boss? I say yes because I just think it would be cool. I think it'd be awesome. This big fat cat sitting there. So you want to mess with my pride, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting now. I know it's funny, but I'm serious. I think it would be really cool. As a matter of fact, if I do a hard wiring to land yeah. game, I think I might have a big fat cat boss. Yeah, come over here and rub my belly. And and, and actually, that does bring a point. But uh, how do the, how do different cat species react to each other? I mean, do the lions react to you know house cats the same? You know, you know, other than oh look, convenient snacks. You know. <laughs> well, almost every species is xenophobic. I mean, including humans. So, but I think it's the intelligence that would allow them to do that. Though they might have a tendency to want to uh, form groups of their own kind. So you might have a squad of, uh, of Persians, and and maybe uh, you might have some some runners that are lynxes, or you know, uh, and, and and maybe the tigers would be like the maulers and some brute squad kind of guys. So you know, I mean, the, based upon their physiology. So yeah, that, that could happen. All right. So, anyways, but but my point is because uh, uh, that was the question here is why aren't they ruling us? Okay, and I think this is one of the main reasons that they're not ruling us is because they are they're not constitutionally, uh, mentally uh, equipped to do the long term rulership that rulership requires. Oh, I was going to point out that they do have the the concept of alpha male. Actually, more correctly, 
alpha female because most colonies when you we do see lions in the wild it's usually a matriarchal group yes the the lone lion and his and his and his and all his mates or in case of feral colonies they're predominantly females their kits and young young males who haven't gotten old enough yet as soon as the young males get old enough they get kicked out right because the old because the 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 one main male chases them away and when the one main male gets defeated by another male that comes in from the outside the first thing he does is go in and kill all the kittens so that the females will go into uh heat and he'll be able to impregnate them all with his genetic material that's still an alpha male mentality i wouldn't i don't see that as matriarchal i still see that as well, no, well, the interesting thing is is that it's usually, at least with feral colonies, there are several colonies and one male going from each to each to each doing it. He doesn't live in one. He he, he travels. He travels. He you know cats can range up cats can range up to forty seven miles in their travels. I say because they're super fecund, it actually makes sense that there that, that there might be more than one male showing up from time to time. Yeah, I mean, within the fe- within the colony itself, there is a dominant female who is more or less in charge. Uh, usually, the older female. Once she gets too old, then you know. But in our in our world, cat feral cats, um, five years, maybe seven. If 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 they happen to have humans nearby who go, oh, poor kitties, here's some food, you know. <laughs> yeah, the oldest cat uh, known. Uh- uh, and of course, it's not alive now. But the, I think the oldest cat known, uh, as far as a, a confirmed age, was thirty-seven years before death. Cream puff. Forty. Wait a minute. Say that again. Thirty-seven years. Thirty-seven-year-old cat. Yes. Uh, actually, oh, actually, thirty-eight. Actually, thirty-eight. Cream puff lived to the age of thirty-eight. So I'm saying is I, I, I believe the cats are psychologically unfit to be our rulers. Okay. So that's we're safe from that regard. There's but there's another reason why cats would not make good rulers, especially good politicians. And that is they have they have a lot of physical tells. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So and I have a list here. Okay. So let's see. Um if a cat's yeah yeah yeah, if a cat's ears are upright and pointing forward, he's alert and but relaxed. If his ears point sideways, he's slightly less comfortable and is listening for out for any sign of danger. If his ears are upright but pointing back, he may be preparing for trouble. And a cat in a defensive pose will flatten down his ears in order to protect them, while an aggressive cat will twist his ears forward. His ears may still be flattened, but the tips will face in the direction of his prey. And he does this in order to obtain as much auditory information as possible so that he may launch a successful attack. Cats have 32 different muscles in their ears, by the way. (laughs) A friendly nip can be recognized because there's clearly no intention to hurt. and It's often combined with other signs of positive body language by the cat, such as purring, holding their tail vertically, rubbing their faces and chin against a person or nearby objects, arching the back when stroked, and positioning their whiskers to face forwards. 
This type of behavior is clearly friendly, but smaller kittens may accidentally cause more damage than they intend because <laughs> they don't know their own strength. Now, aggressive or negative behavior is uh, this is you can tell this because the cat will start swishing and thumping or thumping their tail, uh, ears and whiskers flatten back. Lashing out with a paw generally indicates the cat is not in the mood to be bothered, and if you keep harassing them, they may will give you they may may give you a more insistent nip. Even under these conditions, it's rare for a cat to actually bite a human. But then we're talking about um, you know intelligent cats, so that may be different. Cats take uh, prefer to place their teeth against the skin as a warning and then make good their escape. If a cat is frightened, their hair stands up evenly all over their body. But when a cat is thre uh, threatens or is ready to attack, the hair stands up only in a narrow band along the spine and tail. So what I'm saying here is, is that a cat pretty much tells you what its intentions are. So, and it, and it may not be able to control this. So if someone comes, so they're not, it sounds to me like they're not very good liars when it comes to things like, you know, liking, disliking. So I, I don't imagine them being very good politicians. Yeah. Though a cat that learns how to control its tails is going to be, uh, what's his name from, um, from um, the, the music man? Oh, I've got his name, the actor's name. Uh, are, are you are you talking about uh, the 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 con man? The, the con man. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Harold Hill. That's right. He did. He he's the, 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 the cat that control can control his tails is the Harold Hill of of felindom. But we're we're pretty much saying that that's would be really really rare. So the thing is that cats pretty much they their uh, their bodies betray their actual point of view. And therefore, they would not be able to dissemble very well. They wouldn't be able to lie. Uh, they pretty much, on the, on the plus side, if a cat likes you and you're in the cat, uh, in the felines, in the hardwired hinterland, dating would probably be an easier than even dating human women. Because <laughs> they, they, they pretty much let you know whether they're interested or not. <laughs> yep. But only three or four times a year, and the rest of the time, just go away. Yeah, that might actually work against you in that whole prostitution thing you were mentioning, Peter. Yeah, <laughs> they would be they would be able to fake it as well. But you know, guys tend tend not to care about to pay attention to those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game. Hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction. No derivatives. And sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts. Because we're some bad mothers. 
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.